1: up Bengals fans and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Jake and Joe reunited at last. It's been so long. How you doing man? I'm okay. I've got a little bit of a cold trying to grind through this. We got about a half a foot of snow
0: last night and it was 15 degrees today.
1: I was in Florida and had to come back to winter so I feel you. Yeah. We've got your regular scheduled Thursday program here for you guys we have your mailbag questions for the latter part of the show and as always we start by getting into the latest news and notes in Cincinnati today John Ross cleared to practice today A.J. Green still not practicing not even on the rehab field so John Ross coming back before A.J. Green despite suffering his injury during the season and going on IR A.J. Green never went on IR
0: Yeah, that raises some questions, right? Again, the medical staff, and we're wondering if they're evaluating this correctly. Are they bringing guys back the right timetable, the original timetable? And did they just not put A.J. Green on IR for the optics of it? Meanwhile, John Ross is the only guy they've had this year come back. No, I wouldn't say that, actually. William Jackson and John Ross,
1: the two guys that have come back earlier than expected. John Ross won't be eligible to play, like I mentioned, until the Bengals play the Browns on December 8th. So he's going to have to miss another three games despite being cleared to come back to practice today. And it's not like the Bengals don't need help at wide receiver. They actually have a few open roster spots too. With Drew Sample going out with a high ankle sprain, he could go to IR if they don't think he'll make it back this season. They've got the roster spot from releasing Preston Brown that they still haven't filled. That will probably be... Hardy Nickerson, you'd have to imagine coming up from the practice squad to run it back, run out the same linebacking core that they had that was terrible last year, which I've mostly been doing this year anyway. Right, and you know
0: the, the real key here is getting Jermaine Pratt on the field and playing. It's worth the upgrade, or or even being down a roster spot for a while. The Bengals are relatively healthy because even if they don't bring back Hardy Nickerson it's more likely he would be inactive anyways. That final guy probably isn't going to play. It looks like they wanted to give Jordan Evans a few more snaps. They did last week. Uh, Maybe Leroy Reynolds gets back out there again. But I don't think it's paramount that they fill that last position unless they have something up their sleeve, whether that's a guy coming off of IR or off the pup list earlier than expected.
1: Yeah, and right now the two guys coming off IR are going to most likely be, in addition to John Ross, who is now officially IR return, Darius Phillips, the cornerback, who showed some real promise. We would love to see him get back on the field. But like you said, if they surprise us, and Jonah Williams, who we haven't heard anything about, because he's allowed to practice at this point, right?
0: They have to make a decision before week 12. So the Monday of week 12, which is coming up, If he doesn't practice by then, he reverts to IR. So they may need a spot in order
1: to handle this. If they think that he has any shot of playing this year, they will have to activate him off the PUP list. He does then have an exception of a few more weeks to get some practice time in before he gets on the field. Three weeks. But there's no sign yet that Jonah Williams is close. I asked Paul Daner about that a few weeks ago and it doesn't sound like there's any movement on that front yet and the Bengals could use the offensive line help too I mean we've talked about that all year the left tackle position has been held down by John Jerry and Andre Smith neither of whom have played left tackle very much in their career one of whom didn't play in the NFL last year but an interesting little tidbit that I found while looking at the offensive line a little bit today Paul Dana did a piece on the athletic talking about the potential cap casualties for the Bengals either by a trade or via release and he didn't list Bobby Hart He thinks that Bobby Hart might be a guy that they keep around as a swing tackle. I think that they could probably spend that money better elsewhere because, look, they brought John Jerry out of retirement, put him at left tackle, which he had never played before. After he didn't play for a full year, maybe he played there a few snaps. He's not a left tackle. But he's out there, according to PFF, grading just as well or poorly, whichever way you want to look at it, as Bobby Hart, but with six less penalties, right? So if you differentiate those two players... One guy, out of football for a year, not a left tackle, playing just as well as the guy on the right side, but with less penalties. So if that's what you can get for free off their couch, well, why are we paying Bobby Hart $5 million next year? And I would also throw Andre Smith out there for a guy they picked up
0: you know, when no one wanted him at the very end of the summer, and he's been at least serviceable. And I think Bobby Hart's been better than Smith, but we're talking about a backup swing tackle or what's the real difference. You're just trying to get through a game or a few weeks at most. And you're, if you're going to pay a guy 7 million to do that. Well, again, that's the Bengals MO for
1: getting up to the salary floors. They seem to hide money on guys that really aren't worth it. They can clear a bunch of money if they want to, but there's plenty of time to talk about what the Bengals will do in the off season for now. Speaking of Bobby Hart, just injury updates altogether for the Bengals. Alex Erickson didn't practice with a back injury, but it sounds like he's likely to play. He'll probably be questionable. Drake Kirkpatrick still out with a knee injury. Mentioned Drew Sample. He's probably done for the year with a high ankle sprain, but Bobby Hart and Alex Redman both limited shoulder injury for Bobby Hart. He didn't finish the game against Baltimore, and Alex Redmond coming back from a knee and ankle injury was limited as well. So we'll get into your questions here next. That is the latest news and notes. The Bengals go to play Oakland. And Joe, you talked to the Oakland guy yesterday. This is the last time that they'll go to the black hole, right? They're, I've said this a few times. I want to verify that I'm correct on that.
0: Yeah, that's right. They're They'll be in Vegas next year. They're actually supposed to go was it this year and they signed a one-year extension? Either yeah. way, the Bengals are unlikely to play the Raiders anyways because the Bengals will end up as the number four team in their division, Raiders, possibly number two if not one, so they won't match up either way.
1: Going to be good news for the Bengals, though, to not go back to the black hole. They have been absolutely terrible on the road in Oakland in like the last 30 years.
0: Do you remember the last game? It was the opener.
1: What, yeah. Was this 2016 or seventeen? Uh, Eifert caught a touchdown? Or was they... that fifteen? I think it was I think it was fifteen because they broke their like thirty year streak of not winning in Oakland.
0: Had to be four years because they're on that rotation or three yeah. years ago.
1: Uh, yeah, so maybe it was sixteen. Anyway, we've got a bunch of your questions to get into, and we'll do that for the rest of the show. Attention, past, present, and future, my bookie players. During Thanksgiving week, my bookie is offering a risk-free bet on the Bears Lions game. I know this is a Bengals podcast, but this is free money. Choose a team against the spread for up to $250. And if you win, congratulations, you've got extra holiday spending money. If you lose, well, congratulations to you as well, because MyBookie will give you all your money back. It's a no-brainer because you literally can't lose. It's no risk, all gravy, Joe. Just log on to MyBookie.ag
0: and make your first deposit with promo code locked ON. And MyBookie will match your deposit, dollar for dollar, to jumpstart your bankroll, and that's on top of the risk-free bet. Let me repeat, that's a guaranteed deposit match and a risk-free bet for Thanksgiving only. So if you're
1: a true football fan, you do not want to let this opportunity pass you by. You simply cannot lose. Go over to MyBookie.ag, make your deposit with promo code Locked On for that free deposit match. My bookie, you play, you win,
0: you get paid. It's our favorite episode of the week, the mailbag portion of the Locked On Bengals podcast. Kicking it off right away with our guy Paul at ihop for bengals Paul, thanks for reaching out again. Thanks for doing everything you do for us. And he asks, will the Bengals fans, who also root for the Ohio State, turn on Joe Burrow after he beats them in the playoffs? So I guess uh, Paul here is already predicting how that's going to end up and also when can we expect you guys to start looking at coaches and free agents thank you
1: well i've been looking at free agents since september i think oh,
0: yeah.
1: I, what, was that, that's when i tweeted about the linebackers right cory littleton i think i started looking at him in september he yeah, got yeah. off to a hot start and he sustained that some of the other guys that i've had devondre campbell for example have not sustained their hot starts and they're off the list but cory littleton anthony costanzo Who's the other tackle? Brian Bulaga. Those are guys that if they aren't retaining, there's no reason the Colts won't retain Castanzo because they have like a million monies, literally, against sure. the cap. But, yeah, we've, we've been looking at free agents. And as far as coaches, we've talked about uh, Elder Callahan quite a bit, Brian's father. But what other coaches are we really talking about besides maybe defensive coordinator Lou Anarumo hasn't seemed to put his guys in great positions for success this year, but it has been a transition year too for a lot of guys playing in a new scheme, doing a lot of things that they haven't been asked to do before. But you see some regression on that team. PFF today published a list of their best players on every team. And 25 teams had a guy graded at least 88 or higher. The Bengals were at 76 Geno Atkins, 76.9 or something. By far the lowest in the league. One of only five teams or six teams that have a guy below 88 or below 87 or whatever it was. And it's just kind of embarrassing, right? So everybody on this team's regressed. So fair to say you can look at any coach. None of these guys have their units performing well except arguably wide receiver.
0: Right, because they've gotten everyone. But uh, Paul, also, I think on the first part here, I think fans, if of Bengals and Buckeyes, if Joe Burrow beats them, that may strengthen their love for him in a weird way, as if, like, all right, if someone at least is going to beat my other team, he must be good enough to lead my other other team. And I could see it that way.
1: Imagine Joe Burrow shaking off or avoiding a sack from Chase Young, throwing a Aww. touchdown pass to Jamar Chase, because just to stay on the name Chase for a little bit here, I mean, what do you do, Ohio State fans? The Bengals no, are the quarterback. Him. I want Joe Burrow to stiff arm Chase Young into the ground.
0: Now, I think Chase Young is the man, and maybe the one best, maybe the best defensive prospect I've ever watched. But you know, I just don't want that Chase Young talk anymore infiltrating this fan base, and I just want Joe Burrow to stiff arm him and throw a game winning touchdown and seal the deal right there. Although that's a terrible way to evaluate.
1: It's different if the Bengals don't need a quarterback, right? And we'll we'll talk about this plenty. Maybe we won't get into it now, but there's still many of you that think they need to fix the offensive line and fix the defense before they draft a quarterback. And if they do that, I'm just wondering when the hell you think they're going to draft a quarterback because they're not going to be picking top five. Anyway, let's move on. Next question from Evan Deep. Working within the realm of how the Bengals have traditionally operated, how can this front office make this team a winner by 2021? So are giving him
0: two years there, winning in 2021. That's two drafts, two free agency classes. And shout out to Evan Deep also because he's number two in our Lockdown Fantasy League. Uh, I think he's catching up to MB. But anyways, I think if you were to do this, if you were to say, okay, we can get back there, the quickest, best way to probably do it is hitting on a quarterback this year. So by 2021, it's a sophomore season, and he's hitting his stride. I mean, you look at Watson and Mahomes, if you hit that guy, that was M V P season for Mahomes, Watson obviously carrying the Texans by that point. If you hit Trubisky, well then you're gonna need a, a much better team in order to, you know, have them being a winner. So I, I think I would if you hit the right quarterback, you're gonna to have to have two strong draft classes. And then you're going to have to have two good free agency classes. And that means getting a quality player on offense and defense both years in free agency. Hopefully a starter at on the offensive line, hopefully a li- starting linebacker, and then we'll figure out the needs in 2021 because they'll change by then. But still, you have to be active in both.
1: Yeah, they're going to need to address the pass rush, I think, by 2021, too. Speaking of needs that are going forward in the future, but. Working within the realm of how the Bengals have traditionally operated, I don't see a path to them being competitive and winning in 2021. I think that it requires the Bengals to make a change in how they address free agency. They've missed on too many drafts for too many years. The coaching staff is not doing it right now. They're going to have to do something different. They have to start spending some money. Bringing in some proven guys overspending in free agency is what it will take to patch holes on the team. If they're going to win anytime soon, two draft classes isn't going to do it. There's no help coming from the 2019 draft class outside of a left tackle. Drew Sample, high ankle sprain now, his rookie season's done. He looks like exactly what we thought he would. Shouldn't have been a second-round pick. Jermaine Pratt looks like a developmental, at best, third-round rookie linebacker. So where's the help coming from, right? The core of this team, all the best players on this team, Still 30 plus. So doing it the way they've traditionally done it, I I think they really need to make a change. And I think that if any season or stretch of seasons was going to give them the impetus to do so, this recent stretch of just awful results would be what would inspire them to change.
0: Yeah, that's a fair way to put it, I guess. I've kind of skipped over the traditional part of it, but we end up at the same time. Same conclusion anyways. It's going to take things that they haven't done recently or at all. They need Next to question. Yeah, Get up six on Twitter. How likely is it that we see Green, Ross, and Boyd healthy and running routes together this season in a game? He's thinking it's less than
1: 10%. Yeah, the big question for this is, is A.J. Green at this point, right? I would have thought this would have been John Ross. I, I would know. have thought A.J. would have got himself right, but... I mean, at this point, the big question is is AJ Green going to play at all this year? Green's it's... missed a full season now over the last two years. It's been a it. full year for him. I hate that.
0: Thanks. I, I hate, hate it. it. Right. I didn't mean, to give that to you. But I do think we could see it for the final couple games. Whatever it is, right? Three games, two games. So I guess we're putting those percentages pretty low because even if we were to say what, there's seven games left let's say 40% chances the last three games or so. Yeah. Let's two games and we're looking at 25% chance or so. Uh, yeah, well, let's not do math on this podcast anymore, but chances are, are low. Next question. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh man. We've tried to do so much math on this show today. It's just not like this is the, the first two times we just cut the show and rerecorded stuff. This time we're letting it roll. Next question comes from Hummus138 at Tadford on Twitter. Would Andy Dalton be better with a beard, Joe? Kind of like that one Star Trek where there was the evil Spock with a beard and he had a little bit more attitude?
0: 100%, without question. If he had a beard, they probably would have won a Super Bowl already, in my opinion. I have a beard. I'm doing great. So, I agree. Speaking of Star Trek beards, uh, who is the... First or second in command on Star Trek: Next Generation? I don't know, man. You didn't watch Star Trek? Who's the guy from? Uh, what is the the show? Factor Fiction? Was that it? Never mind. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm drawing a blank here. Awesome character though, with a beard. Sorry. Next question: Cal Scobie, Scobie snacks. Offseason, you guys expressed that you didn't think middle linebacker was a vital part of the D as other positions. One and a half seasons into the worst defenses we've had ever seen, I'm sorry. Has your opinion changed at all? I am more convinced than ever that a high-level middle linebacker is crucial to a high-floor elite ceiling D. He continues, for example, if you just place Bobby Wagner into our defense, I think it immediately raises our defense to around 20th in the league. I believe the position should be a scouting priority until you find a game changer.
1: Yeah, I don't think I agree with you here, Kyle. I think that middle linebacker can be important, but I think Bobby Wagner has help around him on that team, right? He's got Jadavion Clowney. That's a big addition. He's got at least one corner that's helpful. I think just... The responsibilities of an off-ball linebacker, middle linebacker in the NFL, just have less of an impact than a guy like Earl Thomas at safety, a guy like Richard Sherman at corner, a guy like Jadavion Clowney or Nick Bosa at defensive end. Just compared to the rest of the hierarchy of a defense, besides maybe a nose tackle in the modern NFL, I can't think of a less important position.
0: Right, and you got to think anytime you add a the best, let's say Bobby Wagner is the best little middle linebacker in the league. You add the best defensive tackle, Aaron Donald, you're going to get this defense ranked higher. You add the best defensive end, the best corner, the best safety, it doesn't matter. You can use that logic with any position and you're going to significantly improve this mm-hmm. defense that really is lacking anybody playing at an elite level. Even Geno Atkins that we like to believe is as an elite player, as we talked about, uh, the PFF grades, I mean, it's it's evidence right there that he's playing far below what we think is capable, and everyone is on this team. But, you know, I think there's more than a handful of guys on this team that if they went elsewhere, and I was looking at William Jackson's stats recently, and they look great and just from raw numbers. I bet he's the type of guy, you put him on the Patriots, and he's Stephon Gilmore. He, he's a shutdown corner. They're looking at him like, man, we can't throw against this guy because he's playing that well. It's just the difference between the Bengals and other organizations right now.
1: I think Dark West and Art is another guy who, on another team, if, if he got a team, like if he got reunited with Mike Zimmer, if he went to the Patriots, Dark West and Art could be a very, very good player if, if a team and knew how to use him. No one wanted
0: him, this free agency. so yeah. He was dealing with that knee thing though. also, so maybe this year would be different.
1: Yeah, we'll see. I mean, he's been been good this year when he's been on the field. He's been pretty good, so I, I would like to see him on the field with William Jackson. We've got a bunch more questions here, Joe. We've got a lot of good questions. Jumping right back in, Jake, we may
0: have to speed this up a little bit to get to all of them, but next one is from Sunshine City VA. He asks, when Jeff Bezos purchases the Bengals, what city will he be moving the team to? And then I think he goes on to his real question, but I would like to talk about that for a minute. His real question is, can you guys speculate on what is going on with
1: Cordy Glenn? He's not injured, but he's not playing. Why? He might not be in shape. He's certainly in the doghouse. It could Mm -hmm. be as simple as that. He quit on the team, allegedly. Right. We, We haven't had confirmation of that, but it was reported firsthand that somebody heard him say, cut me then. I mean, so... Easily in the doghouse needs to show the coaches that he wants to be there. I'm surprised he's still on the team. Frankly, I I thought that they would have traded him for sure, but there probably wasn't a very strong trademark of recording Glenn. And with how stubborn Mike Brown is there, there probably wasn't commensurate compensation. If Jeff Bezos purchased the Bengals, what city would he move the team to? I don't know. Wherever he can make the most money. That dude's about money. So put him in London. Put him in the United Arab Emirates. Put him on the moon. Something like that.
0: Could also be in Cincinnati.
1: Uh, Sure. Yeah.
0: Well, you don't think so? I think it could happen. He's not loyal to one city, so I agree he can move him to wherever he wants. It's not like he's like, oh, I'm from New Mexico, so let's go to New Mexico. It would be... Uh, well, they got the NFL's got to figure out the Chargers first, and it sounds like they can move to London. If not, then sure, it's up for London. I think is is probably the next team. I don't think they're going really pushing anywhere else outside of that. They filled LA and figured out LA can't fill their seats. So it's you know, if small markets will fill up the seats. That's where it's going to be. It's they. I don't think the NFL necessarily sees that as a negative. They've kept a lot of teams in their small markets for thirty plus years.
1: Bezos is about money, though. And he's going to look at the Cincinnati market and be like, nah, pass. I'll put a team in, you know, some, some large city in Florida, like Orlando, give them to Orlando or, or, you know, I mean, uh, Florida can
0: not sell out. That's not other teams do maybe Texas,
1: San Antonio.
0: Well, that's, I, I bet, uh, he'd have a fight on his hands with Jerry Jones. That's a good point. What about just he he's well, he's also, he's one of the most powerful men in the world. Portland's the next biggest city that doesn't have a team. I was going to say you don't something really every year. Yeah, Northwest. you don't ever really hear anything like with Portland pushing for that. So, I don't know. But I think the in Cincinnati, you can make a lot of money. It's just it, the Bengals are very profitable if they were probably more business savvy, they just aren't. And like Jerry Jones has said it every time you get to an owner meeting like Sell your naming rights to your stadium. You know he starts sh- shouting these things out to these teams that aren't making mm-hmm. enough money to really generate revenue. Plus, the revenue sharing. I think small market teams can be profitable, just not as profitable, obviously, as the big market teams.
1: The other one would be St. Louis.
0: Sure, Give are they ready team. again?
1: Yeah. Anyway, I think that that is a long shot. I don't. I think that buying the Bengals is a pretty challenging. Thing to think about for for billionaires who look at the fact that and anyway, well, let's not get into it. Next question comes from Jay Duble. How does this coming year's quarterback class compare to recent years? Above average, below average? Are we getting excited about average talent in a down year? Oh, Joe, you're gonna that is love not this the question. Case. Yeah, that is not the case. This is
0: not a situation where we're getting excited over average talent. These are the top two guys at the very least are guys that would go top five every single year that you know unless it's a um situation where you've got two just monster Andrew Luck Robert Griffin those guys were you know home run picks uh you know, coming out at least well, uh had that potential and Griffin had you know basically one rookie of the year so I think it's that type of next tier below that where it's not a generational talent but these two guys are in any conversation in any single draft where it's their top five pick. And I'm talking about Burrow Burrow and Tua. And then Justin Herbert is a normal top eight pick or so for quarterback. Like, he Mm -hmm. would probably go above Mitch Trubisky that year. Um, You know, so he – well, I think he would because you look back at where those guys are ranked, and I just read the story from the Chicago Tribune today. Like, Trubisky was in the – 18 to 25 ranked on most big boards or, you know, I'm talking about internet stuff. And then Mahomes was 30 or Watson was 28. They were considered late first,
1: early second rounders. I also read that piece. And the Bears GM was just tunnel vision on Trubisky, which is why I said maybe he wouldn't go above Trubisky because for whatever reason, sure. they fell in love with Yeah, Mitch. and that's a
0: whole conversation, honestly. I thought that was a very illuminating piece. So I think Herbert is – is also very good. If it wasn't Tua and Burrow, we'd have an actual conversation between Young and Herbert rather than it's completely Tua and Burrow over Chase Young. So I you know, in my opinion, I think uh when I say Carson Wentz for Herbert, because I think that's a very comparable situation also. And then you want to the next tier if and if if it's Jake Fromm, if it's Jake Eason, and if it's uh Jordan Love, Jordan Love is probably gonna Last year, it was compared to Mahomes. A lot of evaluators that watched them said, This is the guy with the freak talent, freak arm, and can move around and make a lot of crazy throws, probably in the 25 to 32 range, where Mahomes was also ranked, be right before the the Chiefs traded up for him. All it takes is one team to fall in love with that upside, and you see Jordan Love go 12th overall this year. Don't be surprised. It is a very, very good
1: draft class. Yeah, it's a good... Both those guys look special. You just got to go watch the LSU-Alabama game. There's probably 30 guys in in that game that are going to be NFL players. You're watching... Watching future NFL guys play against each other is essentially an all-star game. And if I could watch LSU play Alabama 10 weeks in a row, I would. Yeah, and about that game too, I
0: got shades and feelings of the... Rams and Chiefs game from last year. I don't remember if it was Thursday night, Sunday night, Monday oh, yeah. night, whatever it was. It was a primetime game and yeah. they put on a frickin' show. And it was the best game of the regular season. And you felt like the Bengals kept stepped away from that. Like, we need to get whatever is going on over there. We need to get yeah. a guy. And that, that's how they got Zach Taylor. I believe they were watching this Tua and Burrow Bowl last weekend and said, we need whatever that is. We need to get one of those. I certainly hope that's the case. Next questions from John Momberg. If the Bengals land one of the top two picks, what kind of offer would it
1: take for you to trade down? It depends how far we're trading down, Joe. Give me give me something more specific to work with. Okay.
0: Here. Let's say the Dolphins are picking third, and they want to go up and they want to get to a Ratskins. are number two, and we don't know where the Redskins are going to go. They could go quarterback. They could go Chase Young. You know, so they, there's some –
1: decision making there some at least a little bit of fear there that they could take a quarterback so the starting point for that then of course is the Bears going back to the Bears the Bears straight up for Mitchell Trubisky and probably a little bit more because instead of going from three to two they're going from three to one I think that that's your starting point and then you're sweetening that pot with a day two early day three pick I need all three of Miami's first round picks
0: for that, sure for me to not take my quarterback you better give me all three first round picks and it's funny omar kelly who writes about the Bang or the dolphins who mixed opinions on how he is he said today and i i follow him on twitter he said he would give up all three picks to go up and get to that's
1: how how much he believes in him but i think mike brown having turned down an entire draft worth of picks before he would you've want more i think for the I don't, I don't i don't i don't i can't fathom mike brown trading out of number one right Right. I just, it would, it would, if, a, if an entire draft wouldn't do it, I think it would have to be all three first rounders from Miami and like maybe two next year.
0: I know. Think about it. You are in love with a quarterback because you have to be to take him, number one. If you're not, don't take him. So you're in love with a quarterback and someone wants to give you three first round picks to really take that chance from you. And while there's a chance he's still there, Joe Burrow's still there. There's no guarantee, let's say if it is Burrow. Um, uh, that's a risky proposition. I know those three first-round picks would be awesome, and if Redskins go quarterback, you would go Chase Young and say, whatever, we'll, we'll figure it out next year. We'll tank two years in a row, whatever the case may be. There's no guarantee you're going to pick top two next year. The Dolphins are actively trying to tank right now and are ending up third or fourth. If the Bengals ended up in the same situation and they don't get Lawrence or Fields next year and have to give up three first-round picks back to go up and get one of those guys, uh, is it worth it? Or do you just take your quarterback that you love already and
1: move on? And well, they won't have the three first round picks depending on when Miami exactly. trades them to him, right? So Miami has a trade material right now to do it. I, I think it would take the three first rounders for Mike Brown and future first rounders, at least one. For, for Mike Brown, I think that he would require a King's ransom. His next question, also John Mumberg, How possible is the scenario in which one or more of the top quarterbacks announces that he will not sign if drafted by the Bengals? And I wish this thought didn't exist in the universe because it makes me sad. It does. And there is a possibility, right? You know, we just go back to when Eli and
0: Phillip Rivers and that decision didn't actually work out. The Chargers were in great shape for a long time, especially with the picks they got in that swap. But here's the thing that's helping the Bengals out a lot is the next few teams are arguably as dysfunctional. So you're going to get drafted by the Redskins instead how about the Jets uh you kind of would say all right well who are the players surrounding me in Cincinnati and you got Joe Mixon and those receivers and Jonah Williams coming back to be honest that and I know I'm a Bengals fan so this may be some homerism in me but the Dolphins have nothing the Jets are a joke the Redskins are a joke maybe even bigger than the Bengals I would say all right my options are slim here the Bengals are at least gonna give me some weapons so I can play the best I possibly can
1: I honestly might want to go to Miami. I'm starting to buy into the Bl- Brian Flores hype just a little bit. They are playing for him, aren't they? Like, we talk about the culture for the Bengals, Zach Taylor. Guys are saying, oh, we still believe in him, yada, yada. And the Dolphins look like they actually are. And guys are getting better. The locked-on Beng- Dolphins, sorry, got Travis Wingfeld on Twitter. Yeah. I've I've retweeted a bunch of his stuff because he talks about all the quarterbacks that we talk about, but he's pointed out a lot of guys have made – dramatic improvements under this coaching staff in Miami so looking at player development that's something to keep an eye on in Miami especially with all those draft picks they've got this year
0: but it's a good thing
1: this year also you got
0: two quarterbacks if Tua says no I'm not going to Cincinnati well how about you Joe Burrow you want to be the first overall pick and I think somebody will next question from Steven Fox what changes did the Bengals make to the O-line that we've actually seen some decent run blocking in the past
1: two games And the next question kind of tails into this, right? Asking, is Billy Price tradable or could we package him with another player to boost his value? I think that the most obvious thing is that they're not running only zone runs anymore. They're running some gap stuff. They're pulling some guys. They have changed these type of running plays that they're trying to execute. Also, I don't know that their run blocking is necessarily that much better. Joe Mixon's looked a little bit better to me, especially last week. And the run blocking probably is moderately better. That's what I was going to say was Mixon. But, yeah, Mixon plays a big part in this. He's looked a lot more decisive. It looks like he's making better choices, especially against Baltimore. I think it was pretty apparent. And the thing about Billy Price, well, he's been starting a left guard. Uh,
0: they got John Miller back last week. And if you looked at the grades, I was surprised that Price was graded so high from PFF. But actually, when I went back and watched, I said, okay. Actually, Billy Price was pretty decent. They must have not have charged a couple of those weird pressures to him. And probably they fell on Ryan Finley or... Trey Hopkins, who didn't have a great game. So a little bit of continuity for the first time all season among that offensive line, I think, has gone a long way. But for me, number one, it's Joe Mixon first and foremost. He is actually uh, hitting his holes hard and at the right time and with the right pace. He's This is what he looked like last year.
1: Yeah, Billy Price, like you mentioned, was the Bengals' highest-graded offensive lineman against Baltimore, had a really good pass-blocking grade. But still, looking at the run-blocking grades, nobody – was right. better than than average, and, and they have Billy Price and John Miller as, as average. Yeah,
0: 60s are decent for PFFs grades,
1: especially for, run for Yeah, especially for run blocking. So worth noting, Billy Price making some strides. This is not something we've talked very much about. He had a very good game, and Baltimore's a team that has given him issues with those, like the Steelers, guys. really big, long guys that they put on the ground in there. But Baltimore's defense, not what it used to be, still... It's nice to see Billy Price put up a green number, especially after that game against L.A., against uh, Aaron Donald before the bye, where he puts up a... He's had some bad games this year. Let's just say that. Yeah,
0: yeah. When he's gotten matched up with some really, really talented players. Yeah.
1: Next question comes from RJ Balu. Is it time to start watching some other position groups? I think he's talking to you, Joe. We've talked a lot about quarterbacks, and you've been writing about them for The Athletic. But R- RJ wants to know, can we expect any linebacker or offensive line content coming? Though LSU linebackers look very athletic, and Queen looked like he has some natural coverage skills, even though he gave up a couple of catches.
0: Yeah, we're going to get to that uh, eventually. I think the only reason we've even started talking quarterbacks and evaluating this early is because the Bengals are projected to pick top one, two, three, whatever they end up doing. But uh, And that it puts you squarely in quarterback talk so i wanted to be prepared i wanted to be able to answer the questions that a lot of people had no one has really said hey who are second third round linebackers because i don't think that sounds exciting to anybody at all
1: and this year's linebacking class is not the best there might i think it's very similar to last year especially if dylan moses was not hurt he tore his acl linebacker for alabama was on track to be top 10 pick for sure i'd say so instead it's isaiah simmons for clemson the guy that is looked at right now as a top 10 guy dylan moses now looked at as an end of the first round kind of guy with his acl injury there are some other players in the linebacking group that are looked at as potentially day two picks but it's very similar to last year i think where we'll find out a lot more when testing comes around and there's a lot of tackles in this class. This is a very, very good tackle class.
0: That's what I was urging. You saw my hand up. I was ready to say, to be clear, guys, this is a fantastic offensive tackle class. You're going to get a good guy at the top of round two. I wouldn't be surprised if this is Carson Palmer, Eric Steinbach draft for the Bengals one and two, where you get your quarterback, you come back, you protect him again, and you get Jonah coming back. That sounds like a great way to do it. And I know the defense sucks. I know it's 32nd in the league. I know the linebackers are frustrating but they've got to use some free agent money and, and get a guy in because, again, they're probably looking at a third-round guy to come in, and we know how that's been. It's been uh, just a black hole for the Bengals in terms of wasting draft picks. If you didn't see today, Malik Jefferson was also
1: released by the Browns. So, I mean, it's just been such a crap shoot. And you got to look at it as a multi-year process, right? A lot of you who don't want to take a quarterback this year want them to fix the offensive line and the defensive everything first and right. the way that that takes two years either way right so you take the quarterback when you can get him you take alex leatherwood or or wills one of those two sure. alabama tackles who might be there at the top of round two or whoever is there maybe sam cosby comes out early from texas the redshirt sophomore and he looks like he has a ton of promise has taken a huge leap and there's a lot of guys like that this year very very good tackle class just to reiterate you get a couple offensive linemen early. You find a right tackle. You, you then start trying to build the defense up because you feel good about your wide receivers. Then next year, you're, you're again, you're focusing on the defense maybe, maybe filling in whatever holes you need to on the offensive side of the ball. But you have your quarterback, so now you're free to pick all those other things. And this is a luxury the Bengals have had. And maybe this is why Bengals fans feel this way, Joe, is because the Bengals have only had to pick two quarterbacks in the last yeah. 20 years.
0: And they both worked. So I think we should feel some confidence in that. Even the, some of the backups that they've taken have at least been competent, if you will. And, and they helped Ryan Fitzpatrick's career along. Uh, they kept, uh, what's his name, the, the quarterback, Josh Johnson, going in the league. I mean, I'm just talking about they've had a good idea or a good eye for quarterbacks. Bruce Gatkowski kept playing after the Bengals. Uh, A.J. McCarron, obviously. So they've I think we should, if any position, this isn't like offensive line that they've completely blown drafting over the last four years, five years. Linebackers have been terrible for as long as I can remember. They've actually been good at drafting quarterbacks.
1: Yep. Last question here comes from Southern Bengal. Does the non-pro style offense LSU has scare you about Joe Burrow? The Bengals are mostly under center while he's almost always in shotgun. Well the thing about
0: the Bengals being mostly under center Andy Dalton threw 338 passes this year 270 of them were out of shotgun so they're not mostly under center they're just they're under center maybe more than teams that are like the Cardinals that are just constantly in shotgun this is very normal and when you watch LSU they are very normal it's a very pro style offense they're passing game coordinator is coming from the Saints If you don't think the Saints offense can work in the NFL, well, then you're not watching NFL teams. My point is, I don't want to sound condescending about it, but that is as pro style as it's going to get coming out of college football. So for me watching that, and, and if anything, it shows that he should have very translatable skills to the NFL.
1: Yeah, I think that was one of the most enjoyable things for me about the LSU Alabama game is that both teams are running pro style stuff on both sides of the ball. And one of my biggest issues a lot of the time with college football is that like, yeah it's just the, the the gap between the teams is too big. they're running clearly stuff that you know they need to run because that's the guys they have that's what they can do yeah. LSU Alabama has top tier athletes, top tier football players, top tier coaches so you get to see a very polished product at the college level for guys that i I did a mock draft earlier this week. I drafted four guys from Alabama.
0: Yeah, I understand why, because we just watched them put on a show. But to your point, where you were saying earlier, where, uh, you know, sometimes you'll watch a game and it'll be completely lopsided to where the one team is just completely better than the other in college football. It's kind of like watching somebody play Madden on rookie and you just keep running the same mm-hmm. play because you know it works. And, like, yep. why change it, right? So you're like, when as an evaluator, you're watching that and you say, that's not very translatable. That's giving me nothing in terms of uh, quality film here. But that wasn't the case for LSU-Alabama. And for most of their games, and now for the rest of the year, definitely most of these games are going to be quality film that you can evaluate and translate and apply. I think the problem here is the definition of pro style. used to be under center, handing the ball off. But watch the NFL. They're not doing that anymore, man. It's just even the Bengals that are considered uh, a team that likes to run a lot of play action and, and, and you know run and throw from under center, they're still only doing it one fourth of the time so it's not a big deal at all if any if you want to watch that i mean that's why i think a lot of quarterbacks aren't coming out of wisconsin and nebraska and things like that they just uh, you want to see your guy step back and throw and i want to see him throw it 400 times a, a season Yep,
1: that's going to do it for this episode of the lockdown bengals podcast thank you so much for all of your questions we'll be back again tomorrow before the bengals head out to oakland Get you your last practice update before we take a couple days off until Sunday. Until then, Bengals fans, have a good one.